Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. I'm going to talk about a Kirby game today. Kirby is kind of an interesting series. Well, first, it was created by Masahiro Sakurai, the gentleman who would go on to make the Super Smash Bros. games. It's a second-party Nintendo series that's developed by HAL Laboratory. The first game was Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy in 1992, and since then, HAL has been reliably putting out a new Kirby game every few years, well into 2018. And no matter what, each Kirby game has been anywhere from decent to great. There hasn't really been any truly bad Kirby games, no Metroid Other M moments, no Paper Mario sticker stars, no Sonic 2006s. Kirby has been pretty consistent in having solid games each time. It's got some spin-off games that might be a little less than impressive, but even those have their fans, like Kirby Air Ride. I'm not really sure it was too popular at the time, but now a lot of people in the Kirby fanbase have been asking for a sequel to Kirby's Air Ride. It's just really cool that Kirby's managed to kind of carve out this niche for itself, where it's able to basically do no wrong, especially because the series is a lot more experimental than a lot of other series are. Maybe that has to do with it, the fact that the Kirby games aren't afraid to throw in new gimmicks and have them not detract from the overall gameplay. Anyway, in March of this year we got Kirby Star Allies. It was the first Kirby title for Nintendo Switch. The series has been going strong ever since Kirby's Return to Dreamland for Nintendo Wii. I feel like that game is kind of the beginning of the modern Kirby era, because Kirby Triple Deluxe and Kirby Planet Robobot both follow in that game's footsteps. Star Allies also takes a few cues from these games, but it does a lot of its own things too, which I think was a smart choice. Planet Robobot is among my favorite Kirby games, but it was more or less Triple Deluxe, but with a new coat of paint. And Triple Deluxe was kind of like a diluted version of Return to Dreamland. All of them are very solid games, but, like I've pointed out, Star Allies is a fresher take after three similar games in a row. The changes aren't incredibly major, just things that shake the formula up a little bit from what the last three established. To name a big one, the game is divided into much fewer worlds than usual. But it makes up for it by jam-packing a lot of levels into each one. And all the levels are pretty beefy. Even the boss stages, they're not just bosses anymore. Now you have to actually go through a proper level before encountering the boss at the end. And the game's fourth world is so long that it could easily account for half the total playtime. So, Star Allies kind of takes a different approach. A lot of the differences are just kind of minor things, really, when you get down to it. Just little absences in the formula and additions of new things. It's not really worth getting into, but if you're worried that it's just going to be, you know, the same as Triple Deluxe and Robobot, I wouldn't worry too much. So with each of the modern Kirby games, there tends to be one big gimmick that's meant to shake up the levels and set it apart from the other Kirby games and gets a lot of focus in the advertisement. In the past, it was a souped-up version of a regular Kirby copy ability, or a power-up that alters the functions of his copy abilities. 
This time, Kirby's main gimmick is that he can throw little hearts at monsters and turn them into friends. They'll follow him around and do stuff with him. They're players 2, 3, and 4, but if you're alone, they'll just be computer-controlled. All of you can work together and use friend abilities, which usually involves giving someone else's attack an elemental property, like a fire sword, or wind bomb, or something like that. More unique friend abilities do exist, but most of the time you're going to be using them for adding an elemental touch to an existing weapon. The entire friend concept is lifted from Kirby Superstar, but they flesh it out a little more here. And the elemental power mixing was a feature in Kirby Squeak Squad, but it didn't really matter in that game at all. In Kirby Squeak Squad, all it really amounted to was you could give the sword or the bomb either fire, ice, or electricity, and that was about it. And it was never really required that you do any of these. It's just kind of a thing that existed, almost like a secret. This game definitely picks up where Squeak Squad dropped the ball on power mixing. It doesn't quite reach the originality of Kirby 64's power mixing, but I'm glad to see the concept getting its dues. The gimmick isn't perfect, though. Your friends are good at fighting. Almost too good at fighting. They'll eat through a boss's hit points like me whenever I'm in the same room as a plate of no-bake cookies. So while Kirby games are always on the easy side, this kind of undercuts a lot of the remaining challenge that you could find. And in spite of that, the partners still manage to fall into the classic trap of having computer-controlled helpers who don't know what they're doing. The pathfinding is a little off sometimes, meaning they won't move when or where they need to, or they'll get lost. Sometimes they'll even struggle to give you the proper element mix. Certain helpers are actually capable of providing elements with different techniques, like the ninja having something that can provide water, but an AI-controlled ninja will never do that. It's kind of weird. Back to the positives, one thing I like about the Kirby series is that it has consistent lore, so if you play enough of the games, you start recognizing things from the other ones. Not just returning monsters or characters, but maybe background music, or attack patterns, stuff like that. The Kirby series loves to reference itself. When I got into the series about 10 years ago, though, I did notice a strange, albeit relatively minor, exception. The Dark Matter Trilogy, which is a nickname for the Shinichi Shimomura-directed Kirby games, Dreamland 2, 3, and Kirby 64. Those games are kind of in a bubble. Things that were introduced in those games didn't really appear outside of them. Kirby's Animal Helpers, the villainous Dark Matter, the Player 2 character Gooey, the Painter Girl Adeline, they all got left in the dust. But main Kirby games have finally gotten around to shedding more spotlight on the cast of those games. The first example I can think of would be the Holograph Boss in Planet Robobot, which copies the format of the Adeline fights, and even then it recycles the Ice Dragon from those games. And then there's Dark Matter itself making an appearance at some point, though I'll leave it to you to figure out which form it takes, if you haven't already seen it. And Star Allies keeps it up. Monsters that were introduced in the Dark Matter games have already been slowly trickling into the modern ones, but a lot of people have latched on to Plug. In Kirby 64, they had a lot of simplistic monster designs due to the Nintendo 64 limitations. The electric monster in that game was just a walking spark plug with beady black eyes. 
It was kind of cute, though. We haven't really seen that monster since then, until Star Allies, and it shows up again, and I've noticed a lot of people were really fond of the little walking spark plug. Then there's Pawn and Khan, probably one of the least memorable boss fights in the whole series. There were a raccoon and a fox in Kirby's Dreamland 3. All they would do is run from one side of the screen to the other while their underlings followed behind them and sometimes tried to drop bombs on you. Nothing really special about that fight at all. And after making no appearance whatsoever since then, Pawn and Khan show up in Kirby Star Allies out of nowhere, and their boss fight is faithfully recreated. And later on, you even get a harder version of their fight. There's also suspicion that the final boss of Star Allies is connected to Dark Matter, but a lot of that is from implications in dialogue and visual similarities. I'm inclined to believe that it is connected, because it wouldn't be the first time the series had a knockoff version of Dark Matter, but I'd rather not get into the details of that right here and now. Star Allies is shaping up to be a pretty good game for Kirby enthusiasts, because the Dream Friends allow you to see old characters finally making a return appearance, updated and everything. Dream Friends are unlocked from a side area, and unlike the regular monsters, these friends are existing characters from the series. Originally, you would, could only have the Bandana Waddle Dee, King DDD, or Meta Knight, and the last two could only be unlocked after you face them in the story. These three are probably the most recurrent characters in the series, excluding Kirby himself, and probably Wispy Woods and Krakow. But then, a little while after the game was released, there was free DLC which added three new Dream Friends, and all of them are characters we haven't seen in ages. One of them was Marks, the final boss of Kirby Superstar, Gooey, the sidekick from Dreamland 3, and the trio of animal helpers that were in Dreamlands 2 and 3, Rick the Hamster, Koo the Owl, and Kind the Fish, all kind of working together as a coordinated trio. We haven't seen any of these characters in ages, and now here they are, as if no time had passed, throwing down and keeping up with Kirby and everyone else. It's kind of awesome. And that's not all. Data miners have looked into the game's files and found evidence suggesting certain characters will also become dream friends in future DLC. I'd be a little wary about naming all of them, especially because I'm inclined to believe that these leaks are accurate, but there is a chance I could end up getting it wrong, so I don't feel too bad talking about it, and I do like to keep people up to date. The data suggests that a future wave of Dream Friends will include Adeline, the painter from Dreamland 3 and Kirby 64, Dark Meta Knight, a villain from Kirby and the Amazing Mirror who's had a few quick rematch appearances since then, and Daroach, the main thief from Kirby Squeak Squad who later helped out in Kirby Mass Attack. That's pretty cool on its own, but there's said to be yet another wave afterward. This wave is suggested to include Magalore, the pilot from Return to Dreamland, Taranza, a spider person from Triple Deluxe who was important to the story, Susie, a kinda robot-looking woman from Planet Robobot who was also an antagonist, and the trio of mages that were introduced in Star Allies itself. This just really goes to show that Kirby's built up a colorful cast of characters and I could still name a few of the people they're forgetting, like 
Prince Fluff from Epic Yarn, Ribbon from Kirby 64, or let's get real obscure, Grill, the witch from Kirby Star Stacker. Point is, Kirby's got a lot of characters, not to mention a lot of consistent lore, especially if you pause during the boss fights, but all this lore and the cast, it all gets so little emphasis in the games that it really just kind of creeps up on you more than anything. It's not in your face, it's not like required reading where you have to play all these other games. It's admittedly a kind of smart way of handling this kind of thing. I've talked about the characters enough, but Star Allies also sees the return of a lot of copy abilities we haven't seen in a while, including Yo-Yo, which was my favorite ability in Kirby Superstar. A lot of new abilities were introduced in Kirby Superstar, and it feels like all four of the main modern Kirby games all got custody of different abilities from that game. Like, Wing Kirby appears in Return to Dreamland in this game. Mirror Kirby and Jet Kirby appeared in Planet Robobot. This game gets Yo-Yo Kirby and Suplex Kirby. It's just kind of interesting, I think. I feel like Yo-Yo Kirby should have been in Planet Robobot because there are Yo-Yo-wielding enemies, but that ship has sailed. Speaking of suplex ability, yeah, suplex. That power was only in the Superstar and Superstar Ultra. It was basically just watch Kirby throw friends and enemies in all kinds of weird ways. But they did it. They made an entire moveset based around throwing things. I think that's kind of interesting. We also get Cleaning Kirby, who we haven't seen since Dreamland 3, and now its updated moveset features cameos from the second trio of Animal Helpers. First, I thought that was kind of a cool thing, but now looking back, it kind of means that they can't show up as dream friends, and now they're just kind of attached to the cleaning moveset forever now, which is kind of less cool than I first thought. Let's get into the music. Kirby Star Allies soundtrack was composed by Hirokazu Ando and Jun Ishikawa. They've been composing Kirby for a while now. This game introduces Yuta Ogasawara as another composer, responsible for a few of the level themes, the sub-game themes, and the Kirby dance. You know, the that song. This game has a lot of great tracks, while also bringing back a lot of the highlight tracks from previous Kirby games, which has become an increasingly common practice in the series. At this point, they could probably make a game where every stage's music is just ported over from a previous Kirby game, and I don't think anyone would even be upset. With that said, here are my picks for today's favorite songs, all of them being introduced in this game. My first pick is the standard boss theme, which is kind of a routine at this point for me and Kirby. Return to Dreamland, Triple Deluxe, Planet Robobot, now Star Allies, each time, the standard boss theme ends up being one of my favorite tracks in the whole soundtrack. In this game, it sounds really daring and drastic, with a nice callback to the original Green Greens music. It's a shame that most of the bosses have unique music in this game, though, because that means this song doesn't get a lot of play. Another favorite is Sacred Square. This is the final stage in World 2 before your battle with Meta Knight, and it's got that Wild West whistle going for it. And just like the last song, it contains a callback to Green Greens. The third pick is Far Flung Starlight Heroes, which is the map theme for World 4, as if you're flying through space. It's got a weight to it, letting the player know that this is where the game's going to start getting serious. If 
there was any difficulty to be had, but that's beside the point. Also, just listen to that piano. That's the MVP of the song right there. Kirby Star Allies is available for Nintendo Switch, and if you're a fan of the series, I'd highly recommend it. If you're interested in hearing more about me as I ramble about video games, though, you can't find me on the Nintendo Switch, but you can find me on iTunes, and you can subscribe to the BitCast here on Podcast One. And hey, if you have a friend who's been looking for a new gaming podcast to listen to, maybe you could tell them about this one, see if they'd like it. Either way, I've been the Axeman, and I will see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.